The story you are about to hear is untrue. Untrue Stories The Adventures of George Orwell and H.G. Wells Episode 1 A Nice Cup of Tea Here we are, Mr. Orwell. I hope you'll find everything to your satisfaction. It's perfect, thank you. A real Scottish island cottage 500 miles from London. The perfect place to finish my book. Ah, yes. You're the storybook man, aren't you? I read one of yours. The one with the wee animals taking over the farm. Read it to my granddaughter. She couldn't stop laughing. What's this one about? It's about the future. Oh, science fiction. Not exactly, more sort of social... My grandkids are all into it. Stay up all night arguing who's the better captain, Nemo or Ahab. It's ridiculous, I tell them. It is, rather. I know. Ahab would win without a fight. No, hang on. I mean, Nemo's the intellectual. I know that. But Ahab's got the will. He's got the passion. He's got the muscle. Yes, well, Nemo knows there are some situations that can't be resolved by charging in with a harpoon gun. What's your storybook about, then? I hope it's got airships in it. I like airships. Not so many airships, no. It's a vision of life in the year 1984. Is that the manuscript? It's not really ready. Go on, give us a peek. Wait a minute. Oh, come on. I'll not laugh. I'll never know if you got it wrong. I'll be long dead by the 1980s. Let's have a wee read. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the radio was playing glam rock. Winston Smith adjusted his aviator sunglasses as he drove his convertible past the bowling alley. That's the future, Mrs Watchett. A society driven by greed, shallowness, conspicuous consumerism and ridiculous clothing fads. Chilling, isn't it? Well, put me on the list for a signed copy when you're finished. I'll finish it soon enough out here. That's grand. You set up your wee typewriter machine on that sideboard. Technology, eh? My grandkids, they're all into their portable typewriters. Typing out telegrams all day and night. I can't get mine to start. Perfect. No distractions, no London socialites, no annoying fellow writers who think they know it all when naturally they're wrong about everything and I know it all. Hello! In you come, Mr Wells. What's What's he doing here? Mr Wells? This is Mr George Orwell. He's a... A dreadful, big-footed, Trotskyist hack. We've met. And, uh, Mr Orwell, this is Mr H.G. Wells, who's... An archaic, techno-pacifist, utopian dinosaur. I'm acquainted with Mr Wells. What's happening? I thought I'd rented a remote cottage to complete my groundbreaking work of science, I mean political fiction, undisturbed. And I thought I'd rented it to finish work on my important secret engineering project. How I'm supposed to do that with this lanky Bolshevik clumping around? Gentlemen! I'm sorry you've got the wrong idea, but you've rented half the cottage each. It's a button bin. Two rooms. Now I'll leave you to sort out between yourselves who's going to get the bin and who's in the butt. Yes, yes, we'll have to make do. Fine. You two enjoy yourselves. I'll put the kettle on. That this new novel in progress I've heard about. Hmm. Good, is it? 
It's all right. What's it about this time? More animals? There weren't animals, Wells. They were analogies. The pigs were the communists, and the farmer was the czar, and the cart horse was the working poor, and the donkey obviously was... Yes, yes. Subtle as a machine gun, as usual. What's this one? If you must know, it's about the future. Science fiction! So you finally scribbled your way up to the one true genre? No, Wells, it isn't science fiction. I've no interest in your boy's eagle book of adventure stories about invisible time-travelling Martians. It's commentary, Orwell. The Martians reflect our fears of uncertainty in the face of an uncaring world. You know, it's grand technological thinkers like me who inspire the minds of the younger generation. Yes, I know the kind of minds you're talking about. Genre fanatics. The ones who can recite every Sherlock Holmes story by heart and who'll stay up all night writing on the correspondence pages of the Tribune about whether a woman should ever be cast as Dr. Frankenstein or who would win in a fight between the Scarlet Pimpernel and Zorro. Ludicrous. I know. Zorro wouldn't stand a chance. Now, wait a moment. All he has to do is track Don Diego down at his day job, one stab and it's over. The Pimpernel doesn't know Zorro is Don Diego. It's a secret identity. Really? You think that little mask fools anyone? Oh, where did the great swordsman Zorro go? All I see here is a minor nobleman of the exact same build and skin tone, but that can't possibly be Zorro, because Zorro has a tiny mask over an eighth of his face. You and I may be bitter literary rivals, but the time has come to put our differences aside. Why? Because the tea is ready. No need to say thank you. Well, let's hope you can at least make a decent cuppa. Oh dear. Down the wrong pipe? This is not tea. Fairly sure it said tea on the packet, George. Look here, you idealistic antique. There are 11 rules to making a nice cup of tea, and they are all golden. Didn't you read my essay on the subject in the Evening Standard? Let's assume I'm one of the small number of people who didn't get round to it. This liquid is in clear violation of Rule 1, Rule 2, Rule 3, Rule... Amazing, it's all of them. You've got zero out of eleven. I think that's the first time I've seen a zero. Oh, my goodness. Are you the tea police now? Rule one, use only Indian or Ceylonese tea. Oh, I'm sure it's from round there somewhere. Not good enough Indian or Ceylonese. The rest isn't tea, it's food colouring. You know when they did that bloody partition I had to throw out half my stocks? Where's this from, anyway? (gasps) Yorkshire? They don't grow tea in Yorkshire. Is this gravy? I don't think it's actually grown in Yorkshire. Rule two, tea must be brewed in a teapot. I did use a teapot. There it is. A teapot is made of china, earthenware, or on occasion pewter, and has a capacity no greater than one imperial quart. That, sir, is an urn. Rule three, the pot should be warmed beforehand. I did warm it. On the hob. Not by swilling it out with lukewarm water like you're rinsing the dog dish. George, you can't heat a teapot on a hob. Not if it's an urn. You burnt down three Parisian hotels trying to heat teapots Well, they should have had proper hobs. Rule four, the tea should be strong. Six, heap Sheffield teaspoons to the imperial quart. For drinkers over the age of 40, allow one extra teaspoon per decade of life. Rule five, no strainers, no bags, no kidding. Rule six, one should take the teapot to the kettle and not the other way about. You can taste that. Rule seven, no stirring. One need merely give the pot a good shake. You're getting it all over the floor. Eight, a cylindrical cup. Rule nine, skim the cream off the milk. Rule ten, possibly the most controversial. One should pour the tea into the cup. 
before the milk. I don't know about that. Rule 11, no sugar. I like sugar. No, you don't. That's just what Mr. Tate and Mr. Lyle want you to believe. Zero out of 11. This fluid is good for nothing but fertilising aspidistras. Fine. Make your own tea. I will. And you know what? I'll make it properly. There, here's a packet of... uh, Colonel Clarence the Butcher Bentley Cambridge's 11 o'clock Darjeeling. Authentic Indian recipe. And here's a proper pot. So, what is this book about? The one that's set in the future using social and technological speculation to make a commentary on people and society, but dear me, no, it isn't science fiction. Let's see. Don't you dare. Well, aren't you going to stop me? You can't. Your first duty is to the tea. Give that back. Oh dear, Orwell. I think it might have been boiling for slightly more than the designated 3.8 seconds. This is thoroughly ungentlemanly of you. 1984, by George Orwell. It is science fiction. It is not. It's a political statement. The two things aren't exclusive, George. Unless you're extraordinarily pompous. Oh, carry on. O'Brien twisted the Rubik's Cube as Mrs. Parsons adjusted her furry leg warmers. Stop that. What's a dealy bopper? I'm warning you, Wells. It isn't bad. Needs more steam engines. Oh, it's all about the steam engines with you, isn't it? Steam power and shiny brass gears and steel utopias and aeroplanes and luxury vegetarian meals served by autonomans to men in top hats and goggles with cogs glued on them. It's a fantasy, Wells, you'll see. The future is going to be miserable and tedious and everyone will be unhappy all the time and then we'll see who's laughing. It's ready. Ah, there. The perfect nice cup of tea. Taste it and weep. Are you a betting man? Because I've got a pound in my rather elegant waistcoat pocket that says the world will be living in a steam-powered pacifistic utopia by the year, let's say, 1984. You know what, Herbert, you'd be on. I'd take that bet. Were it not for the fact that in 1984 you'll be dead and I'll be a curmudgeonly old man whose only pleasure is knowing that you're dead. So I'll be the only one to know I was right. Pity. What if there were a way we could check now? Do go on. That's why I'm on this island. To put the finishing touches to my invention. I needed somewhere remote to test it, in case it goes wrong. Ironing out the glitches. But I believe it's broadly working already. I left it outside. Let me go and get it. This should be entertaining. Ah, that's good. Here we are. You're going to go and fetch the invention on your bicycle? No, the bicycle is the invention. I'm sorry to break it to you, Wells, but the bicycle has already been invented. It can be traced as far back as the Laufmaschiner, commissioned in 1817 by the German official Karl von Dreyus, who was in need of a fast route between his place of work and the local sausage this shop. This is a very special bicycle, Orwell. It can travel through time itself. Herbert George Wells, are you telling me that you... Popular novelist, social critic and former upholsterer's apprentice have penetrated the secrets of the universe and constructed a genuine working time machine out of a Pashley bicycle? That I have, George. That I have. This is the greatest advancement in cycle technology since derailleur gears. And it wasn't an upholsterer's, it was a draper's. World of difference. And you're proposing that what, you give me a backy and we trundle off to 1984 and see the steam engines? No. It'll only carry one person. But I could go and look and come back and tell you what I saw. 
If you don't mind, I've an unhappy ending to write. Just stay out of my way for the evening and I'll carry on humouring your bizarre delusions tomorrow. What would it take to convince you? You know what? More than that. What do you really believe in? What's the one thing that you could never turn your nose up at, George Orwell? Sure, you're a career cynic, but everyone has faith in something. What's yours? Nothing. I'm a joyless void and that's the way I like it. You'd know that if you read my books. I've read you. I wouldn't say you're a ray of sunshine, but there's a spark of optimism if you keep an eye out for it. What keeps you going? It's tea. Would you say you're the only person in the world who can make a cup of tea as good as this one? That is dishearteningly probable. Give me your cup. What? Your tea. Nobody else could make a proper cup of tea like you, right? I mean, if I tried to replace your tea with one I'd made, you'd notice at once. Before it got past the moustache. So, if I return here in a week's time with this perfect cup of tea, and it's still warm... You can't trick me, Wells. I can tell if it's been reboiled. No reboiling. And a thermos flask leaves a distinctive glassy texture. No thermos flasks. The bicycle's already capable of short trips. I will take it out there and I will travel through time seven days into the future. And if I come to you just as I am this time next week with this cup of tea, and if it's the same cup and it's still warm, there can only be one of two explanations. Either your tea-making skills are not as unique as you think they are, (laughs) or the time machine works. You're on. I know it's a sham, but at least I get peace and quiet for a week. Now, Julia stood up, rearranged her shoulder pads, and pogo-balled out of the pizzeria. Untrue Stories The Adventures of George Orwell and H.G. Wells was written by Robin Johnson and starred Patrick Sprague as H.G. Wells, Robin Johnson as George Orwell, and Joanna Laurie as Mrs. Watchit. Sound effects were taken from freesound.org and made by the users In Chadney, Ccomics88, Keith Peter, Cool Dog, Sophie Hall 3535, Phil Socko, Anagar, 13F Panska Tlolkova Matilda, Deleted User 56142036, VPP2015, Hassian, Juan FG, and Inspector J. The music was by Robin Johnson. The programme was recorded in separate quarantine houses and edited using the free software Audacity. 